All right, and we're back. Uh, so, I remember back in uh, probably January or February, uh, watching the trailer for the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, and thinking, man, I, I need to go back through and I need to watch all the James Bond movies. And I kind of did a count at that point from uh, where we were to when No Time to Die was going to come out, and there weren't enough weeks. And uh, James Bond movies can be a pretty big time commitment. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting there and I was like, ah, I'm not going to be able to do it. Well, then this little thing, this little bug came around, <laughs> coronavirus, and uh, threw it back about six months in the year. Um, so, uh, a few weeks back, I started thinking about it and I was like, oh, I, I wonder how many weeks there are until the movie comes out. And by coincidence, there are, uh, 27 weeks from the time I figured that out, uh, until No Time to Die comes out. There are also 27 Bond movies. Okay. All right. So. That's a lot of movies. It is. Um, so, just to give you a little relief, I'm going to turn these on when you're around. It doesn't mean I expect you to watch the whole movie with me. Oh, thank you. Um, that's, that is a relief. <laughs> so, that's that's one. Uh, but two, it's also um, not all Bond movies are A, created equal. Uh, so, uh, today we'll probably talk a little longer about this one. Um and there will be others that we don't talk as much about. Um, and then there'll be some we barely hit on at all. They're, they're footnotes. A couple uh, of the movies, when I say there are 27 Bond movies, there are technically only before No Time to Die, there are 24 uh, Bond movies. Uh, no Time to Die will be number 25. Okay. And then there are two unofficial James Bond movies that exist bear the name James Bond, bear copyright and everything, but they don't belong to the proper series. Interesting. So the first one is a 1960s, um, I've heard it described as a Frankenstein's monster of a movie uh, called Casino Royale. Okay. Which has absolutely nothing to do with the book other than a couple of characters. Um, it's a comedy action adventure spy movie that um, I've heard described by uh, some people as absolutely horrible and some people as absolutely hilarious. I have never seen it. Uh, it is currently on HBO, which we currently subscribe to, so I will be checking it out. <laughs> um, but it's, it's one of those that I don't know how much we'll talk about other than, yeah, I watched that and it, the people who said it was horrible were right. Or I may get into a deep dive about how ridiculous it is. So on the weeks where we don't talk in depth about a Bond movie, we'll probably talk about other stuff. Okay. Um, Hopefully, there'll be some people who are uh, maybe more passionate about that particular Bond movie, and we'll either write in or Skype in or call in, and we'll we'll get.
get them on the episode to hear their two cents. But honestly, I, I can say that every Bond movie has something worth liking, even if it's an absolute dumpster fire of a movie. Um, and we'll talk about that every week of whether we liked it or not, what we liked, what we did, and all that fun stuff. So that said, let's get into it. Okay. All right. So first and foremost, this being episode one, uh, we're talking about uh, the very first Bond movie. But outside of me, what was your what was your knowledge base of James Bond? I know that James Bond is a spy and a womanizer. Okay. That's pretty much, and he he always gets the bad guy in the end. Okay, so you know you know the basics of yeah. most, uh, most male spy, spy movies. <laughs> most spy movies, most male characters pre nineteen eighty five. Yes. Um. Oh, not bad. Um. There's not a lot more you need to know, honestly. Um. And if you need to know it for a particular movie, they tell you in the movie. Um, whereas with Marvel movies, if you haven't watched the past three, you might be lost. Um, with James Bond. Honestly, you're good uh, up until maybe the most recent ones mm-hmm. uh, because they they have a loose collection of plot uh, together. But for the most part, most Bond movies up until Daniel Craig are standalone. So you can watch them and you're fine. You don't need any background information, which is nice. And the, the nice thing is if you miss one or two or 20, you're... <laughs> gonna be fine you you can hop in and you'll be great um as we get closer to no time to die you probably want to pay more attention because they're a lot more serialized at that point okay and you'll you'll want to know what you're getting into as you as you get closer but you have a few months and about 20 odd episodes for that so <laughs> all right you should be fine so getting into it we're going to talk about dr no uh Released in 1962, directed by Terrence Young. Um, this is the very first official time that James Bond had um, been on the big screen, but not the first time he'd been on the screen. Oh, really? Really. So the very first James Bond novel, uh, Casino Royale, was released in 1953. Um, shortly thereafter, CBS created a small one episode TV special starring American super agent, Jimmy Bond. (laughs) Um, It is a loose adaptation of the Casino Royale short story. Um, And I have not seen it. I have heard it's not great. Um, The biggest issues being that they changed James Bond from a British secret service agent to an American spy. Um, and then on top of that, it's a TV special. So you can't get a lot of the camera angles. You can't get a lot of the, the storytelling. Um, which is sad because I honestly, as I think about James Bond, I think it would make the perfect uh, Sherlock style TV show where they do uh, short one-off one-hour movies uh, from each of the James Bond books. And I think they'd be spectacular if you had that BBC type budget. Um, but getting into this movie, um, this is the very first James Bond movie ever made. Um, and uh, 
first of all, what did you think? Just big picture, <laughs> what did you think? And what what we'll do when we get into specifics after your general thoughts is we're going to break it down. What did you not like? What did you like? What made this special? Oh. Or what stood yeah. out? All right. So let's start out with general thoughts. I kind of felt it was a little boring. I had a hard time following along. Okay. Um, so just basically, yeah. Okay. So diving into general thoughts and <laughs> and what didn't work, uh, I will I will agree with you as someone who absolutely adores James Bond movies. After the opening maybe 20 minutes of the movie, I'm done. I, I, I'm, I'm checking Twitter maybe every 20 minutes. It is a slow, slow movie. Yeah. Um, this is easily one of, if not the slowest James Bond movie. It's an hour and 50 minutes and it feels like it's three hours long. Yeah. Um, because this was in the early eras of American action cinema. This movie was made by an American. Uh, Albert Broccoli is a... Broccoli, that's a good last name. Uh-huh. Albert Cubby Broccoli. <laughs> um, and Harry Saltzman. And, <laughs> hey, you, you laugh Salt at Salt and Broccoli. <laughs> These men, I am so grateful for them bringing this property to the big screen and... I'll get to it in the goods in a, in a bit, but I'm actually very grateful yeah. to the Broccoli's. So don't mock them or their or their names, which to them, Burdette probably sounds funny. Probably. So uh, getting into what else besides pacing didn't work for you? I think pacing is the big thing that doesn't work for me. I think the thing, and this is something that we'll see through a lot of the James Bond movies going forward till probably... I gotta be honest, probably Pierce Brosnan, um, but it's in general a character flaw of James Bond is he's he's a misogynist mm -hmm. and and he very much views women as objects. Yeah. And um, it's it's an inherent they've developed it now to where it's a character flaw. It's not just hey, this is a sign of the times. This is a character flaw for this particular character. Over time, they've lessened it to make the character more approachable and heroic. But even so, it's one of those it's one of those things that uh, we were talking about a different movie recently, and I said um, a person who's looking from the outside in and doesn't understand irony uh, and doesn't understand that not everything on the screen needs to be emulated might look in and say, this is how I need to treat women. And that is absolutely not the case. Mm -hmm. um, the, the thing you should take from uh, the James Bond movies in regards to romantic relationship in general is uh, don't treat people this way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, I think those are my negatives. Uh, you have anything else before we move on to positives? Um, I don't know. I feel like there was a, there's one thing I mentioned where they showed this woman on the screen and I couldn't figure out, I'm like, is she supposed to be oh, Asian? Like she was obviously. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, I, yeah. Ironically, I would find it in my notes here yeah. a bit. Uh, so yeah, there is, <laughs> there is more than a little bit of, and once again, product of the times, um, and not excusing it, just drawing attention to it. 
Um, there is a lot of uh, either casual or blatant racism yeah. uh, in the movie. Um, James Bond and most of the quote-unquote hero characters in the movie are not kind to people of color. Um, and some of the major people of color in the film are not, in fact, people of color. Uh, there are people uh, who are just Jewish-American immigrants playing uh, Chinese characters. Yeah. Uh, there is a woman who is wearing uh, eyelashes in such a way to make her yeah, appear, the, a, appear Asian. It, was, it wasn't just the eyeliner. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the eyeliner and the wingtip and everything, that's even, you know, I get it. That's the way a lot of people do it. I try. I'm not very good at it. But it's the way it was applied and then the way they had her hair or wig, whatever they put on her to fix it for the Asian look for that time. So so there was that. And I think if that would have been it alone, I think I might have been like, okay, she's just doing her hair and makeup this way. Yeah. Then they get to her, her apartment. Yeah. And it is the most stereotypically American dressed Asian setting. Asian restaurant kind of. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks like a typical corner Chinese restaurant as an apartment. And um, at that point I was like, yeah, I think they're trying to make this character Asian. And it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, but once again, 1962, um, we currently have people... Uh, even friends who will say very culturally insensitive things about people of Asian descent and not cool. Um, but moving on, we're going to yes. move in <laughs> to the positive, the things yeah. we actually liked. And this is where um, I will point out that uh, even though I think Sean Connery's James Bond is more than a little bit of a jerk, um, he is one of the coolest movie characters to ever walk onto the screen um and uh on top of that the fashion style of that early 1960s they're coming off the heels of the 1950s there's almost a timelessness to the set dressing the costume design yeah. uh the the way they do things uh white people playing asians notwithstanding yeah. um but it's it's fantastic to watch a, a product that with maybe a tighter script and some better pacing would be a movie I would still watch to this day. And it's, it's why once we get out of that opening 20 minutes where there's honestly a lot of good setup, um, it's a lot harder because of the slower pacing. Of the time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, other things I liked, um, I liked, uh, the fact that you're just dropped into this world. No origin story. Um, sometimes an origin story is nice. It's nice to know where a character comes from. But sometimes just being dropped in and you pick up on relationships. Uh, the fact that uh, M and James Bond uh, have a respect for each other. Uh, although they're not close. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a remark here or there that uh, lies that there might be they might be closer than they let on as friends, but nothing on the surface. And as you go through the movie, um, going into a world that already exists and that being your first step into the world is something I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, other movies that do it really well are the 1989 Batman movie. Um, I want to say most any other time, uh, there are several James Bonds. Uh, Anytime you were dropped into their world, uh, if that's your first movie, it works. It works yeah. really well. You don't need to know what happened the past 50 movies. 
these. Right. Um, but being able to just jump in is fantastic. Um, other things I liked is the villains layer. I would totally live <laughs> in the five star villains layer that uh, Doctor No lives in. Yeah, the the spa, the under it was underground spa or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah it was like, whoa, that's cool. Um, but then they give you tea that just kind of knocks you out for a while. So I don't know, maybe that gotta be relax honest. you. <laughs> I gotta be honest. If I've had a long week, I might like that. Yeah. I will say one of the things, this might be something you're planning on bringing up later, but I've, I kind of liked it. Something I, we talked about in the moment and you had to stop and look it up because we're like, what are they? They don't know what they're talking about, but I think we both got educated. Um, when they, when they saw this, it was red paint on the carpet, but they called it blood. And, um, they, he said it was, um, what did he say? I'm trying to remember the O-H-R, I don't remember. O-R-H negative. O-R-H positive. And I, we both stopped and looked at each other like, um, what the heck did they just say? That's not, that's not a blood type. It's O positive, O negative or whatever. And, uh, so you actually stopped and looked it up to find out, yeah, that's actually what they used to call it. And. Um, so I'm like, yeah, I felt like we got educated and that, that might be, that's probably my biggest takeaway of watching that with you. <laughs> All right. So moving into this, uh, the first, I'm going to do a, a quick or not so quick rundown. I'll try to be quicker than our hour and a half, uh, Avengers Endgame episode. <laughs> um, but right off the bat, we start off with, uh, the staples of a James Bond movie and once again, this movie is the first time they're doing this. They've got a million dollars. They've got a guy who's acted in a Disney Leprechaun movie as their lead. <laughs> and, a great movie. And they are they are coming in fresh. The uh, Albert Broccoli and uh, Harry Saltzman, they have not produced a movie before. This is their first movie. And so they come in, and right off the bat, you have the iconic shot of the gun barrel tracking a man uh, walking by, and then that man spinning around and shooting the shooting the gun. Um, uh, things that are different in this than in some future movies. Uh, the man who is portraying James Bond in that sequence is not Sean Connery. He's Sean Connery's stunt double. Okay. Uh, the scene is in black and white while the rest of the film is in color. Mm -hmm. um, that'll stick around for a couple movies and then that'll, uh, that will change. Um, and uh, then we get into the music right off the bat because it's the 1960s, we have opening credits. And this is something that is a product of the times. At the time, you got all your credits in at the beginning of a movie. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason was, if you put them at the end of the movie, people might not stay and see who worked on the movie. Right. This was the reasoning of the era. It wasn't until many years later that they they were, I'm trying to remember the specific movie, but a special permission was given to give headliner credits at the beginning. And then at the very end, you listed all the rest. Um, and that's the norm now. The norm now is, you maybe get your stars listed in the mm -hmm. opening couple of minutes. Not even a lot of movies don't even do that. They just put the title of the movie, if that. Yes. And then you get all the credits at the end. Um, so the James Bond movies did this in the 60s, and they still do it to this day. It's actually one of people's favorite things about the James Bond movies the is they have an opening song and credits. And this one is really weird. Uh, it actually kicks off with 
the James Bond theme, it's a little rough. Uh, I'll rephrase that. It's rougher than it will be even in the next movie because Monty Norman has just made this song. Uh, he actually took it from a musical, an Indian musical called the, called the House, to, House of Mr. Bees Was. Um, <laughs> All right. And... The, the theme, as we know it for the, the James Bond theme, was actually the musical accompaniment to a song from that musical. Um, so it goes from that. It goes into some uh, Jamaican sounding music. I'm putting a question on that because it's a bunch of white people working on a nation of <laughs> color. Uh, and then they go into a Jamaican rendition of Three Blind Mice. Um, the music transitions are very abrupt they're very um i think abrupt is the right word they are not <laughs> smooth uh it goes from one section to another very quickly with no real ramp up or, or down and then uh we immediately go from uh the three blind mice uh section of music into a scene where we see three blind men of color mm -hmm. apparently uh walking down the street yeah and uh they will come back in just in a little bit um but right off the bat uh we jump into a james bond movie the way every james bond movie should start with a card game and it's a bunch of british guys sitting around playing cards every james bond actually start like that no oh uh, but uh, cards, gambling, casinos, they will play a big role in James Bond movies. Okay. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that when we get into some more behind the scenes stuff as we talk about the series. Um, but uh, right off the bat in this scene, uh, if you're watching closely, you will notice that none of the men's lips quite match up with the sound. Everyone is dubbed in this movie. Uh, now, the actor playing the character may do their own dubbing, uh, but most everyone at this time is being dubbed in on the back end. Interesting. Um, you are not getting the sound from the day. Um, so this British card game happens. One of the guys leaves. Uh, and these three uh, blind men of color apparently aren't blind. They kill uh, this gentleman. Uh, we then zoom over. We see uh, at his house, this is a gentleman named Strangway. And he has a, uh, looks like a housekeeper of some sort. Only we find out she is a radio operator and she is phoning London. Uh, she is then shot dead by those same three uh, men of color. And uh, she has the reddest red paint <laughs> uh for blood underneath her it is i think if you crushed a crayon on your carpet it might be more convincing than yeah. <laughs> uh, the blood in this film uh so right after that we're zoomed to the most pretentious uh club in britain Le Circle, uh the ambassador's club and it is pretentious on top of pretentious everyone's in tuxedos there's a doorman who will flag you at the door uh, and it's here that we first hear the name. Uh, I'm looking for James Bond. All right. And so as we go into the club, we see them at a table playing what card game? Baccarat. Baccarat. Oh, I remembered. All right. Now, do you remember the point of Baccarat? Um, you, uh, you want the highest number not to end in zero. Okay. So what you want... In the, in the game, it is similar to blackjack in that you are playing against the dealer. Uh, unlike blackjack, if you go over 21, you're not busting. The idea is that the number of cards that you have in play 
equal up to nine, uh, the last digit anyhow. So if you had 29, you would have nine. If you had, if you had 21, you would have one. The idea being that last digit is as close to nine as you can get without going over, because as soon as you go over, you start at zero again. So you want to get as close to that as possible. This isn't all the rules. This isn't exhaustive. It's probably not even the main point of the game. This is what I gathered from the Casino Royale right. uh, primer that is actually in the book. Uh, but they're playing this game, and at the table sits a beautiful woman, uh, Sylvia Trench, uh, and she's sitting there and she's winning until a gentleman steps up and starts beating her oh. um, at cards, not, you know. Okay, not, I was like, I did not remember that, but I no, was only half paying attention, so. No, uh, we, we save our uh, abuse of uh, women for later in the movie. Um, no, uh, and she introduces herself as Trench, Sylvia Trench. And she says, and you are? And then we get the most iconic introduction of a character in fiction uh, and probably in film. And Sean Connery, taking a cigarette out of his cigarette case, says, Bond, James Bond. And what some people may forget, may not know, is that that intro isn't how he just likes to say his name until it is after this movie. It's in answer to the way she says hers. Gotcha. He's teasing her. And so... But then that becomes the signature... It becomes the signature way to introduce this character is uh, last name, then full name. Yeah. Do you think they had planned it that way ever, or was it just a coincidence? Like It's it, in the script, so I assume right. they planned well, it, but I don't... Was that after the first movie that they decided, hey, this is how we always need to do it, or...? I think it's so iconic that I think it's hard to leave this movie and not use it because it works uh, most of the time not all the time but most of the time in the films it's used it works really well yeah and it is a it's a signature for this for this particular character um but uh my note in the scene is that uh i watch this movie i know all about the horrors of tobacco use and and what a cigarette can do to you. And every time I see this scene, I want a cigarette. Uh, <laughs> just because Sean Connery looks so cool is one of the few people that even in film makes smoking a cigarette look cool. Um, and watching that scene, I'm like, I've never touched a cigarette. I really want a cigarette right now. <laughs> Anyway, uh, James Bond hits on Miss Trench, who will be his uh, steady girlfriend for all of two movies. Oh, wow. Uh, this movie and the next one. Originally, she was going to be kind of the the girl that he comes home to. Meanwhile, he has girlfriends everywhere else. Um, but it only lasts for one more movie after this uh, because... Go figure, people thought no one would want to hang around with a guy who's womanizing every woman he meets. Yeah. Uh, so. So let me ask you this. Is it like that in the books? Like in the books, does he have always come home to this girl or is this part of just the movie franchise? So in the books, James Bond, uh, it starts out in Casino Royale and he is, he's relatively new at the job. He's worked in military and special operations for a while, uh, mirroring Ian Fleming's own experiences. 
and he views women as uh, a distraction. They're they're something that gets in the way of doing work. It's very misogynist. Yeah. Um, but in the course of Casino Royale, he falls in love with a woman. It's actually done very well and very accurately, very closely to the book in the movie Casino Royale 2006. Um, but falls in love with this girl. The girl betrays him. Uh, ends up dying. At that point, he cuts himself off. What little emotion he had is now no longer available. And women are literally just something that he does as a diversion. In the same way that I will play a video game and then go play another video game and most of the time not even think about the old video game, he treats women that way. And as I said before, we'll say again, do not treat women this way. If you treat women this way, you're a terrible person. (laughs) You need to seek help. Yes. Go see a therapist. Anyhow, getting <laughs> off that soapbox, uh, James immediately goes into office. Uh, he's gotten uh, requested to come in, uh, goes in and does the iconic hat toss onto a coat rack. Uh, I wish that we all st- still wore overcoats and uh, fedoras because if we did, I would try that and never get it on the rack once. Um <laughs> But Bond immediately goes in and sexually harasses Moneypenny, um, who uh, apparently likes it, um, but we don't know if she's just doing that because she wants to keep her job. Uh, But uh, their flirtation, I'll put it more gently there, uh, will go on through most of the James Bond franchise. Yeah. Uh, Lois Maxwell was actually up for the role as uh, Sylvia Trench. Um, She was given a choice between that and... Um, money penny she chose money penny um and it worked out for her because she got to be uh money penny for three james bonds uh wow. sean connery uh roger moore and george lazenby wow uh then uh bond goes into m's office m gives the great line it's 3 a.m when do you sleep um <laughs> showing that uh, this Bond character likes to carouse. Uh, They then talk about Cape Canaveral rockets, and I remembered, oh yeah, it's 1962. We haven't been to space yet. (laughs) Not not really. I think we've been in orbit, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, But uh, this is when we get another James Bond trait, that when M asks Bond what he knows about something, he will then recite a Wikipedia page to M about whatever the subject is because Bond's a smart guy. Uh, We know this because he tells us. The original Wikipedia. So he, what do you know Bond about the, about these rockets and and Bond goes, well, I don't know, sir. I, I guess uh, they're hydrogen cooled, and and then proceeds to list off twenty five <laughs> facts that no one would know at that time, <laughs> especially a guy who stays up at three a.m. browsing with strange women. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, it's at this point that Bond is given his mission for this movie, and for the record, Bond's mission on in this film, Doctor No, is what happened to Strangways. Strangways was the agent in Jamaica. Uh, so his mission doesn't really have much to do with the rockets so much as what happened to this guy who was looking into them. Uh, he's basically doing a welfare check. So at this point, uh, James Bond is, uh, told he needs a new gun. He needs to carry 
uh, a gun besides his Beretta, which recently jammed on him. Uh, the fun fact about this is up until this point in the novels, James Bond had... This is actually not the first James Bond novel. Okay. Uh, it's actually several novels in, but up until this point in the novels, James Bond had carried a small Beretta. Now, there was a uh, fan named Jeffrey Boothroyd, uh, and this gentleman wrote in to Ian Fleming and told him that he was doing guns wrong. Oh. And, uh, and proceeded to, via correspondence, uh, give a whole lecture on what Bond would and wouldn't do as an intelligence agent. Uh, and I don't know who this guy was because Ian Fleming was in British Special Forces and killed lots of people. <laughs> um, but uh, he apparently made a case to Ian Fleming and so much so that the man bringing James Bond the gun is Agent Boothroyd, who, uh, unbeknownst to you and most other people, will later be played by a different actor, but go by a different moniker in the the title of Q, uh, okay. short for Quartermaster. Okay. So, uh, James Bond goes home. He knows something's up because the light's on, even though the lights are on in all the other rooms. <laughs> uh, and inside is waiting Sylvia Trench, who is there to... Uh, seduce him uh, but no time for love I've got to get to the airport so once again he leaves uh, treating her uh, just gently enough to not break her arm uh, <laughs> so we are then treated to the James Bond theme playing in what situation him walking across the airport <laughs> not not stopping a, a villain not shooting someone not not skiing or anything exciting, just walking across an airport. Yeah. Now, to be fair, if I'm walking anywhere and I hear the James Bond theme playing, I feel more than a little bit badass <laughs> just because of the music playing. <laughs> but uh, it's at this point, uh, Bond is picked up by a sky cat uh, who says, Hey, I was sent by the, I was sent by the agency to pick you up. And he goes, cool. Put my bags in the car. I'm going to go check my messages. And he says, Oh, I'll do that. And he goes, no, I'll, I'll check them. Goes and affirms calling in, uh, that no, this guy was not sent to pick him up. This guy is not on the level. Um, but he's going to go with him anyway. Fun fact, at this point, we are introduced in the films for the first time to the cover agency of Universal Exports. If James Bond is undercover, he will say that he works for Universal Exports. All right. Um, of course, he'll still use his real name because, yeah. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, uh, we then get uh, a slow fist fight in the style of the 1960s because it was the 1960s and we had not fully worked out fight choreography to the level we have now, uh, including camera work, which can speed it up and make it look better. But after beating the Skycap into submission, the Skycap takes a cigarette out and bites into it. Oh no, they are deadly for you because it has cyanide in it. Uh, and not just the cyanide inherent in cigarettes. It's actually some extra in there. Um, but it's at this point uh, that it's really knocked home that this is a detective story. James Bond is going to play out much like an old detective movie. Um, so James Bond goes and investigates Strangway's last uh, 
last whereabouts. He finds out that he spent the day at the club with a Professor Dent, among others. Uh, and immediately we know that this Professor Dent is not on the level. So before leaving to go meet with people, uh, James booby traps his room with hairs and talcum powder so that if anyone came in, he's going to know they were there. Yeah. Uh, and not that the cleaning lady actually came in and cleaned his room. <laughs> But we then go meet another staple of the James Bond franchise, and that is the mentor friend character. Now, for the record, this is the character in any James Bond movie that James is going to meet. They are going to get him where he needs to go, and they will likely save his life at one point or another. However, if someone has to die in a scene with James Bond, it's going to be this guy. Just because. Sad times. Yeah, and this is Quarrel. Quarrel is a fisherman. Uh, and Quarrel's introduction to us is right at the point of the most blaring product placement, which is Red Stripe Beer, <laughs> which is the most middle-class thing about this movie. When every other scene, James Bond is in some sort of club or high-end institution. So, in this same scene, we are introduced to Felix Leiter. Felix Leiter is actually one of the few characters that will come back movie after movie, played by different actors in most movies. Okay. So, he is played by who? I don't know. Jack Lord from Hawaii Five-0. Okay. And he is wearing women's sunglasses. Oh, it's that guy. Yes. <laughs> so, while they're at dinner enjoying a nice uh, beverage, uh, they are photographed by a young lady who I, I, she is of questionable ethnicity. I don't know if she is of the ethnicity they were trying to portray. Um, but, uh, Bond and Coral and Lighter just, they're having a good laugh that they're threatening to break this woman's arm. Uh, anyhow, she gets away. It's at this point that Dent realizes that Bond is on to him. And he goes off to the island that Strangways was investigating. Uh, while Dent's on the island, we get a super cool layer, and we hear Dr. No for the very first time. We don't see him in this very creepy voiceover. He treats uh, Dent like a child, makes him sit in a corner, uh, and he is then handed a tarantula. Why? Uh, Dent needed a pet. Uh, <laughs> We are then treated to, in not just this scene, but several subsequent scenes, our next bit of product placement, which is Smirnoff Vodka, which yeah. is the drink of choice for James Bond in this film. Uh, and every time he sees it, he will treat it more affectionately than he does any woman in this yep. film. All right. So then James goes to bed, as one does after imbibing a great deal of alcohol. And at this point... <laughs> Uh, the tarantula then comes in to tickle James Bond to death. But that doesn't work, and James kills the hell out of the tarantula <laughs> with his shoe. Uh, we are then treated to a uh, nice, slow 1962 chase scene with a good bit of rear projection driving where James Bond is spinning the wheel so much that he would be rolling that car over yes. and over again. Uh, and at this point, I wrote three dead mice because those three men of color are now dead. <laughs> all right. Then James, because he has killed all of his other leads, uh, decides to go creeping on uh, go creeping on a girl who's spying on him. This is the girl who was dressing up like she was Asian. Uh, and he, of course, then sleeps with her. But not because he likes her, just because he's bored. He then <laughs> sends her off to jail and he just... 
I mean, he looks at this Smirnoff like he wants to have a baby with it. <laughs> um, then Dent, wanting to make sure that Bond is dead, comes to finish him off, and nope, Bond just did the old pillow in the bed trick. Oh, yeah, it's so convincing. You know, you can't tell it's not a person. Well, he tried to kill Bond with a tarantula, which is not True. poisonous. Yes. So he had it coming. Uh, well, <laughs> he had the first shot coming. The next three shots that Bond shoots him with were just cruel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then uh, he goes out to meet Quarrel to go out to the island. And at this point, if you are looking around, you will notice that, hey, it's really weird that in the middle of the night, there are really hard shadows on the ground. <laughs> and I realized once again, it's 1962. They have not really figured out the whole shooting at night thing. And yeah. so anytime there is a shoot at night, either it is too dark to see anything or they shoot day and then darken the film to make it look like Which, night. It was weird because even in spite of that, like when you have the night sky in view and everything, you can totally tell it's daylight. It's almost like looking through sunglasses. It wasn't that dark. Okay. Uh, from here on out, uh, my notes speed up uh, because I'm having trouble paying attention. Um, uh, I write, this movie is not kind to other ethnicities. They make Coral into a drunk and yeah. Um, anyhow. We get to the island and we are introduced to the iconic shot of Ursula and Andrus coming out of the water in a bikini, which proceeded to save the bikini at the time because it was kind of on its way out. Yeah. Um, but uh, as she introduced herself, we are introduced to another James Bond fad, which is double entendres as female names. <laughs> and her name is Honey Rider. Yeesh. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, she then complains to James because she is there to to gather seashells that she's going to sell when he, and I can't say that fast, um, <laughs> when he, uh, he tells her to put them away because they need to hide from the bad guys coming to get them. She says, no, I can sell this one for $50. And I'm like, man, I need to meet that sucker because I have got some beachfront property to sell on. <laughs> Anyhow, they then go and as they're hiding from the villains, uh, they hide under the water using the reeds. And I have an asthma attack because every time I see a scene underwater where someone has to hold their breath, I hold my breath too. Uh, then, uh, as they're going under the island, they've been warned that there's a dragon on the island. And as soon as they see it, uh, it is very obvious that it's a vehicle yes. that someone like put a dragon sticker on. Yes. Um, and the fact that anyone actually thought it was Dragon is, well, it's not kind to them. <laughs> then, uh, Coral is killed by the flamethrowing dragon, in quotes, uh, and Honey and Bond are taken to the Five Star Resort. They are now scrubbed down for radio radioactive material because uh, there's radioactive stuff on the island. I don't know that we fully understood radiation at the time. <laughs> Although, uh, very shortly after this, uh, John Wayne would because uh, he would get cancer because of Genghis Khan. Uh, uh, look that up in Wikipedia. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> we are now introduced to Joseph Weissman, who is not an Asian man, but is playing a Chinese doctor. Doctor No. Um, and his little quirk and yet another James Bondism is that your villain has to have some sort of weird quirk. And his quirk is he has metal hands. <laughs> when, when asked about why he says it was a misfortune. Anyhow, 
No other explanation, huh? None needed. But I honestly think had Bond been a nice guy to Dr. No, him and Honey would have been just fine. I Their room that they stay in is nicer than the resort we stayed in at Disney. <laughs> and that is not a put down on Disney. That is a... That is a praise on Dr. No. Way to be hospitable. Yeah. Anyhow, Bond escapes uh, from his capture and threatening. Uh, he disguises himself as Chang, uh, one of the workers in Dr. No's laboratory, uh, even though Chang is a full foot shorter than Sean Connery. Uh, okay. And as they go in, uh, Dr. No has very uh, uh, politely marked where the danger level is so Bond knows exactly where to turn the knobs to to make sure that the lab will blow up. <laughs> Dr. No uh, and Bond get into a scuffle as Bond sabotages the lab. Uh, Dr. No, in a struggle, falls into the cooling tank, which is melting hot uh, and ends up melting to death. <laughs> uh, Bond and Honey escape on a boat. Felix Leiter saves the day. Bond and Honey are in the boat, holding onto a line being towed by the Marines, and as they make out, let go, and they fall out of frame, as Bond is wont to do. And that is the end of Dr. No, and uh, the British may have won and survived to live another day, but women's rights have not. So... One thing about that last scene, like, is before Bond lets go of the rope is that they're being towed away is the one sailor on the big boat as he looks and sees them making out and everything he just sits there watching with this wistful look on his face like you know very creepy very very so creepy. here's here's the question i had was he lusting after honey or james <laughs> good question yes and <laughs> thank god we will never know anyhow so yeah. Uh, there it is. That's the movie. Um, not a lot happens. It's, it's a movie that there's some really cool aspects of it. There's things you can see that they took from, uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies that honestly are doing it better. Uh, you can look at contemporary films of the time and, uh, North by Northwest mm -hmm. is a, is a fantastic movie that does the same thing, yeah. uh, but does it a little better. Um, and is a little kinder to women, but not much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a similar film. So if you're, if you're wanting some historic context, I'd really recommend this movie, um, just for, Hey, this is the first James Bond movie. Uh, watching this, um, it's a bit of a chore. Um, I, I won't lie. I checked Twitter and Instagram a few times <laughs> during it. Um, and I've seen it tons of times. I love this movie, but it's, it's not the type of movie that I sit on the edge of my seat. Um, and just watch to watch. This is one I put on a nap. This is one yeah. I put on on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'm doing something else. I want something on in the background. So uh, there are parts I highly recommend for their iconography. Uh, the beginning of the film, the first 20 minutes, I highly recommend uh, once you get to the back end of the movie, the back 20 minutes, um, Dr. Knows Lair, there's, there's tons of fun stuff to watch. Uh, the middle drags a little bit. Um, yeah. And as I said before, and we'll say again, um, yeah, don't treat women or people of color this way. Because right. uh, it's not okay. No, it's not. Um, so um, with all that said, 
I love this franchise. I'm looking forward to rewatching all these. I'm not going to force you to, to sit down with me. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm more, as we talk about them, looking for the little things you pick up on or, or yes. notice. Um, I'll try to pay attention to them when you put them on, but I can't promise anything. No, I honestly, I'm hoping you see something ridiculous and you bring it up. Well, I remember that I watched that one with you one time with, uh, what's, his, what's his name? It's one of the newer, not new, but Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. And I remember, like, when we get to that one again, we'll talk about it. But it was so stinking ridiculous. Like, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, I thought these were supposed to be more, like, realistic kind of spy movies. But, um, no, not that one. So, so, for the record, there are some that are more grounded. And then we are going to, um, in a few movies, we're going to get to a gentleman who is exploded by being inflated. And they actually used... <laughs> They actually used a balloon, uh, and it did not look good. Um, wow. And then a couple movies after that, we're going to have a pigeon double take, where uh, a pigeon looks at Bond and <laughs> says, what? And looks at him <laughs> twice. It's very cartoonish. Wow, um, okay. So, all that to say, love James Bond. Looking forward to uh, No Time to Die in November. Um, I hope you guys will stick with us through all of these. Uh, if you are interested in talking about a James Bond film, uh, and maybe even want to be a guest host, uh, give me a shout out on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I am at Mark Burdett on Twitter. I'm not sure what my Instagram is. It's something. Uh, Isn't that favorite things with Mark? It might be. Anyhow. You can find me. Uh, it's not hard. Um, also, let me know what you think of the new uh, album art. Uh, I just started playing around with Photoshop. I'm not very good at it, but I'm having fun. So, I think it's brilliant. So let me know what you think. I hope you'll join us next week as we watch From Russia with Love. See you then. Bye.